Welcome to podcast 26-1, Q&A, personal questions with the host. Since the start of this podcast, I've had some questions come to me that I felt might be of interest to those who are listening. The questions surround not only the illness, but my personal experiences with it. I have found that in my own life, listening to others' experiences helped me to better understand my own experiences. As I understand that not everyone listens to every podcast, I'm going to include a few details about me to help help the understanding of the answers that are to come. I experienced some moderate to severe bipolar disorder from about as early as I can remember till I was about 33 to 34 years old. It was then that I received a unique blessing that allowed for the illness to subside. However, I have spent the last decade healing, repairing, and recovering from the illness and the effects of it on my life. Now, right now, I'm actually in a pretty good place, both spiritually, physically, although I still deal with some mild to moderate depression, um, really brought about from pain from some autoimmune diseases that I've had for about a decade. I currently live in Maryland, but I've lived most of my my life in the Western United States. I have a wonderful angel wife, eight children, four of which are married, married to wonderful people. I have a son-serving mission, and three others still at home working through school. I get that that's a pretty general description, but I think it's probably sufficient for the questions below. So here we go. Question number one. When did you first think that you might have a mental illness? A good question. Uh, The answer is that I don't think that it was one particular moment in time. And I think that's probably true for many people who get diagnosed. Now, I grew up in a time that mental illness was actually something like a virus. You didn't seek it out and you definitely didn't tell people you had it. I suppose that in some ways it hasn't changed much in our society. It might be a little more open, but it's pretty similar. I probably suspected something was wrong at least once or twice before my mission, and even suspected mental illness. But I didn't do anything about it. I didn't even know what to do at that time. My parents were certainly baffled at my symptoms. You you might know, listening to the podcast about bipolar, depression, anxiety, symptoms are not always the same for every person. And they can often manifest in physical ways. And that includes what some might term typical teenage independence and hormones. I would certainly cry for no reason. I would get frustrated, even angry at times, reticent, depressed. I'd go to bed early, have no desire to do anything, and then all kinds of desire um, with the mania. The illness was at the time also developing in my teenage years. And at the time... And so those patterns had not really emerged that were consistent. Uh, The truth is that nobody was really looking for mental illness in teenagers when I was growing up in high school. And if they were, it was not even close to frequent. So I don't even think of it as, I didn't even think of it as in the realm of possibilities. I didn't know that depression really existed. But I also had no idea what it was or why it was so different than other people at the time. I had no idea what by polar was or that it even existed. I probably heard about it maybe through a television or movies, but it was the whole concept was foreign to me. The first time I was questioned about it by somebody else was on my mission. Uh, my mission president asked if I wanted to see a counselor or a psychologist. I believe it was a relative of his at that time, uh, but that part's actually pretty hazy. I said no almost immediately. I think more out of fear than anything. Uh, One of the elders in my district when I was in the MTC was diagnosed with depression and they reassigned him stateside. Um, I 
didn't want to be reassigned stateside, or worse yet, return home early. Uh, the stigma about early return missionaries, to me, was very real. It shouldn't have been, but it was, and I simply wasn't mature enough in the gospel or in other areas of my life, due to the illness, to understand many things about it, or even missionary service, or reassignments. I just didn't have the same understanding as we do now. I realized that a stigma still exists and is very real. That, that really, I have to admit, that hasn't changed a lot. Many leaders don't understand the illness and its effects, and it's by no fault of their own. They simply have never experienced it. So I could actually see the same thing happening today, although I think that mission presidents are far more knowledgeable about the illness, as it seems to be occurring more frequently. And certainly the, the illness is more visible today, although visibility doesn't necessarily bring understanding. Not sure what it is about the church. Perhaps it's its independent pioneer heritage or... I think our focus in the doctrine may be upon um, change and altering our behaviors. But I don't believe that mental illness is very well accepted or understood within its ranks. In any case, sorry, a little off topic. I finally did visit the doctor later when I returned home from a mission and was diagnosed by a good medical doctor. I didn't get fully diagnosed until college when I had the episode with suicide, which you actually will find in more detail in that episode. It was a process for me, and I think it's the same for most people. I don't think that you just wake up one day and say, I think I have clinical depression. I think I have bipolar disorder. Most of us as human beings need time for things to settle in our minds and for them to really become real. Also, the diagnosis makes take some time to accomplish. Um, sometimes the treatment takes a while. You're not likely to have a diagnosis that is complete. Even after the first time you visit a professional, they might have an idea, but it's very doubtful they'd have a full diagnosis. They will likely expect you to have something, but it takes time. Uh, you may even go through periods of acceptance and then disbelief. I, I did that. Uh, depression, anxiety may even come and go at first in the bipolar. The illness is not like a broken leg where the break is easy to discover and you have photographic evidence. The illness is about how you feel, your physical symptoms, your body chemistry, and that actually can vary over time. And even your thought patterns can. So if it takes time to diagnose and then accept treatment, that's not uncommon at all. Again, it's also not uncommon for someone to come in and out of the illness for a period of time before it becomes more consistent. I think that's probably for the most part what happened to me for several years. Uh, question number two, when you found out that you had a mental illness, what did you feel? What did you do? Once I was diagnosed by the medical doctor, I was very relieved. You might have thought I would have feared it, but I really felt something lift off my shoulders. My issues, the issues that I had, were something that I couldn't control. In other words, it was body chemistry, something concrete. Now, I know that sounds strange, but you begin to think you're just weak and can't handle life. This leads to all kinds of other issues with living the gospel if you believe that you simply can't hack life. I had a very real medical issue that needed help. That was enlightening, and then almost frightening at the same time. But it was a medical issue. I could find out more information about it, what doctors knew at the time, which was fairly limited on base, based on what you would know today. I could see others who had it. I didn't have the internet, but there were, there were also some other good materials in libraries. So I really began to understand the illness better. But I didn't necessarily share that I had it with the world. The stigma was still very real inside and outside of the church. 
Depression and bipolar were not something that was open to the world like it is now. Most of what they were shown on television was not good information. And people would be generally concerned if they found out that you had the illness. I suppose that in some ways it's still problematic for people who have the illness. Um, mental illness is still not shown in a great light in the media. Most of the entertainers who have these illnesses are in some kind of treatment center for drug addiction and a variety of other things. And we've talked about in the podcast why that would come about. But uh, that's often attached as part of the stigma to these illnesses. As far as what, I, what did I do? I researched the illness as much as I could and began to take the medication the doc gave, which was lithium. Uh, it wasn't The lithium wasn't very good, but it was something and did control some of the symptoms. I didn't know all the other things you need to do to manage the disease, such as diet, consistent schedule, exercise, avoiding stress. I was single. I had a, was out without a job or a part-time job. I was attending a family ward and a young singles group that would get together for fan home evening on Mondays. Singles life is very tough with mental illness, and that is especially true within the church. The singles life doesn't lend itself to managing the illness, and I didn't know much more about it, so my management was fairly poor. But I did get some relief. I will admit that the illness still managed me more than I managed it, but it was a start, and that's important. And it led me down the road to better treatments and a greater understanding of myself and the illness. I found that oftentimes the start of the mental illness road is bumpy and difficult. Um, but that's probably true for most everybody. As far as the church was concerned, I didn't tell very many people, mostly out of fear. We don't want people thinking, I didn't want people thinking that I was crazy, I couldn't be trusted, can't do anything, and so forth. I really wanted to be treated as a normal individual. I wanted to serve in callings and be a good member of the church. I kind of felt at the time if leadership found out that I had an illness, I'd be the hymn book rearranger for the next decade. I was very private about it, even with some of my family members, so I got diagnosed and then kept to myself. You might ask, was that the right thing to do? I thought it was at the time. Now I probably probably would have been more discerning about it, but I still keep it fairly private, obviously, except for this podcast. Question number three, did you ever think about leaving the church or just simply becoming inactive? I don't think I ever thought about leaving the church in a rational, I'm going to leave the church because of my illness way, or the way I feel. Uh, there were many times when I struggled attending. I probably struggled attending church because of the illness off and on until I was about 33 years old. It doesn't mean that I didn't attend. I just struggled. I think I've spoken about the why several times in many of the podcasts. Church is tough with depression and bipolar. The deep feelings of worthlessness, doubt, pain, spiritual darkness, so forth. And everything that comes with it makes attendance difficult at best sometimes. There were several times when I would leave church early because I simply couldn't stay longer. I know my wife struggled with this and worried about it. Whose companion wouldn't worry about it? I never went fully inactive or less active in the sense that I didn't attend church for a period of time more than a couple of weeks, I continued to fight with it and work through it. Now, it's a funny note about that. Because of all of the issues I experienced and the difficulty I felt and the struggle and the negative feelings, there are times I still have some minor tinges of difficulty. Now, it's still minor, and I don't leave church anymore or worry about it, but the illness caused some brain training that I am still, at times, undoing. The negative experiences of church attendance and the resulting training in the brain is something that has taken me some real time to undo. 
Now, having said all that, and what I know about depression, I would consider someone with clinical depression or anxiety not attending. I wouldn't consider them as inactive or less active. I know what the definition is, uh, something like three or four weeks without attending church, but I still wouldn't consider them as needing to be cared for as if they had lost their testimonies or they were some little lost lamb. It's just a terrible illness with difficult side effects. And that sometimes causes serious issues with spiritual feelings. So I, I never felt inactive even when I was missing church. Just tough to attend a spiritual place and not feel the spirit. So my answer is no. I never consciously would have left the church, but I could certainly see how it could happen unconsciously. I always felt that attending church when I could and doing my best, I did better than when I wasn't attending. I don't recommend not attending church, even if there are some negative emotions going on. I would say that attend where you can and when you can, and don't worry about the rest or the whispering to other people. Although that is going to be difficult with someone with depression who, in essence, worries about, uh, uh, well, worthiness. Walking away from the church is going to cause greater difficulties anyway than staying and doing what you can. And I realized that what I could do was very limited sometimes, but I also knew that I wanted the Lord's help. I needed to put in whatever small effort I could. Uh, question number four. This question is probably a little bit uh, strong, a little bit off the subject in some ways, but important. Uh, did you ever attempt suicide or think about it? Uh, that is a very, very interesting question. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast about suicide, then you know that I came very close. I had a plan. I had the opportunity. I was deep in a depression. I didn't take the action. Now, I came about as close as one can come, I, I suppose, without taking action. I really couldn't tell you exactly how close. It felt very close. I thinking about suicide comes with clinical depression and bipolar that is moderate to severe and lasts for any lengthy period of time. Uh, the period of time varies with each person, but I can tell you that almost everyone who has the illness does think about it and has thought about it. doesn't mean they've made plans or close to accomplishing it, but I can tell you they have thought about it. Suicide is not something you look at in depression as anything more than perhaps a permanent sleep. In depression, I slept a significant amount, up to 18 hours a day. Now, one of the main reasons why is that there is relief found in sleep. You are only suffering when you're awake. So sleep is an escape that is really all suicide is about, an escape from pain and suffering. The problem with depression and anxiety, besides being able to see any type of future, is that the only future you can see is with depression or anxiety. It is not so much the present that is the problem, the present pains, the present difficulties that's the problem. It is that the feelings may never go away. It is that the future is depressed, and that is just defeating in so many ways. As I've said in that suicide episode, the best thing to do to avoid suicide is actually to talk about it with someone. Let someone know that what you're feeling, that someone also needs to be able to understand that just because someone who is depressed has thought about suicide doesn't mean that they need to be immediately admitted into the psych ward at the hospital. Talking about suicide and being open about it helps the individual to avoid it and to know what, that someone cares about them. I know that can be a scary thing to address with a daughter, son, wife, husband, parent, grandparent, but you have to understand that it's important to talk about and address early and often with the illness. Now, it doesn't have to be every conversation, but talk about it understand, to understand where they are with it, how they feel about it, and then, well, they get them some help with professionals, if they aren't already involved with professionals, who know how to address the illness and the suicide issue. Finally, don't leave everything up to the professionals. 
keep talking with them about the illness and how you can help. Now, did I ever talk about it? I know I never did. Just wasn't part of the process back then. Well, I mean, it was with the medical professionals, but we know better now. And I wished I had now. Yeah. Again, yes, the docs did ask about it, but that was it. Things were just better. Things are just better understood now. Suicide is a real thing for everyone with a long-term mental illness, like bipolar, depression, or anxiety. Ignoring that fact is not going to make it go away. Not talking about it isn't going to stop it. We are far better to be open with one another and treat to treat the illness and the symptoms, and suicide is a symptom, although I will admit an extreme one. Question number five. Did you ever talk to your leaders about your illness? Did you have concerns when you did and didn't? What about callings? How did it affect your callings? Uh, this is kind of a complicated question. Uh, the answer is both yes and no. My bishops have been wonderful people with the best of intentions, and I believe that they do the Lord's work. Having said that, and growing up with the illness when I did, I was careful about who I discussed it with, and that included my leaders. I didn't want to be treated differently. I didn't want to be set aside and handled with kid gloves. I didn't want to be the handbook rearranger for the rest of my life. I wanted to serve, to have callings. I didn't want the illness to influence a bishop's or leader's decisions about me being able to serve. Having said that, I did tell most of them at what I felt was an appropriate time frame. I'm going to say that who you tell is a matter of individual concern, and when you tell them is the same. If you're going to tell your leader, bishop, or anyone for that matter, the best thing to do is to provide good information. Just saying that you suffer with a mental illness leaves a significant amount of detail to speculation. Explain your illness. Your limitations, what you can and what you perhaps cannot do, easily is of greater benefit. Having served as a bishop, I understand the need for good information about individuals as we issue callings to them. I believe it to be very helpful to have your bishop to know and perhaps the Relief Society president or Elders Quorum president with the added information about the illness of what you can and can't do and where are you at with the illness. You should go with good information that can be helpful to them. You would be surprised to know how little most people know about mental illness, including depression and bipolar, and the little info you give them will likely make a large difference in how you are treated when it comes to callings and other types of service. I realize that many influential people have been more open about mental illness in their lives, although most of these individuals have been actors and others who have been to treatment facilities or other types of professional treatment. The most unfortunate part about this is that the face of depression and bipolar has become individuals dealing with substance abuse and other addictions and concerns. I think that it's, it, it has helped to bring it into the open, but it has not helped people to understand it very well. If you can help your leaders and others, you'll be able to, well, help your leaders and others, you tell to understand how it affects you specifically and how often, and then most of their concerns will fade. More often than not, they can be helpful to you. The answer as to how it affected my callings probably has more to do with how I approach the calling than with the illness than anything else. I think the Lord expects us to accomplish each calling according to our abilities and the added strength he provides. If the Lord needed seasoned, well-trained, educated individuals to teach and guide his church, he wouldn't be calling young men and young women just out of high school to serve missions. That doesn't mean that he, well, that he doesn't use more seasoned individuals for the most part to run his organization. What I am saying is that the Lord can fit the calling to the person, and that includes a person with mental illness. However, you can't think that you can run faster than you have strength or that the Lord is going to provide you everything as if you didn't have the illness. He wants you to work within the limitations of the illness and what he uses to give and use what he gives you. I found this most of all when I served in Collins. Yes, depression almost always made it feel as though I were failing, 
But as I look back on those callings, the Lord never chastised me once. He was grateful for the effort based on what I knew about my illness and the service while I, I was rendering while I had it. I found that when needed, the Lord can simply make up the difference for our weaknesses. The most important thing about our callings, just to work and do your best, then leave the rest to the Lord. If you can't go to church one Sunday and teach your class, don't fret about it. Get a substitute and make plans for the next time you teach. The Lord doesn't want you to run until you collapse and then can't serve. Find a balance, do your best. It took me far too long to figure that out. Well, that's going to be it for this particular part one of my questions. Uh, part two of my questions is really going to be about my missionary service. Um, question and answers about my missionary service and the mental illness. I look forward to uh, talking to you next time. And as always, remember, uh, the Lord requires the fight, and then he could do his part. We'll talk to you later.